Welcome to the Top 5, where I discuss my top 5 takeaways from this week's NASCAR race. This week, we're discussing Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Hello and thanks for tuning in. My name is Connor and each week I take about 15 to 20 minutes to discuss my top 5 takeaways. This is meant to be a quick hit podcast to talk about the race that just happened and look forward to the next race. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Number 1. So this week we're talking about Vegas. I don't know what it is about Vegas. It is a cookie cutter track, but it's my favorite of the cookie cutters. It's the fastest, the most steeply banked. I think it provides some of the best racing of all of the cookie cutter, or as Danica Patrick called it, the bread and butter tracks of NASCAR. Speaking of which, Danica Patrick was in the booth for this one. And I was a little uh, a little on edge about that. I wasn't sure if I would like it. To be honest, I can't stand female broadcasters in basketball or football, but it's not because they're female. It's because Christine Brennan and some of the other female broadcasters are terrible. I thought that Danica did a very good job. She sort of took the Matt Kenseth approach from last week. Didn't talk a lot, but when she did talk, it made added value it made sense it had impact she didn't step all over mike joy and uh, oh what's that goofball in the booth's name uh if you're listening to this you're yelling at me right now clint boyer uh, i love clint boyer i thought she was great so to start the race christopher bell was on the pole which was good to see for him good young driver uh kind of had a rough start to the season in the first couple of races and i think what we learned about christopher bell and he's young but i think the first thing we learned is that he can't really hang with better drivers he steadily fell back and i don't know if his car was handling poorly or if he was just doing a poor job of driving it but he really you could tell he couldn't hang And then with 24 to go in the second stage, he spun it. And that was the old wrap on Chris Bell's day. The other thing that I noticed about uh, Vegas right away, as compared specifically to Auto Club, was we were going to see a lot more longer green flag runs, which was great. I like that. Uh, I like the idea that the cars are out there racing instead of, you know, restarts are exciting, But I like to see what a car can do over a long run. Watching cars build momentum and then dropping off and then coming back. It was cool to see. And the last thing from the beginning portions of the race that I had were, I guess, competition cautions are just a thing now. Now that even post-pandemic, NASCAR has decided that they're not going to allow long practice sessions or a happy hour or really much of anything pre-race so i guess that's just a part of racing now is competition cautions pretty much every single week it's not the end of the world but i i guess the point that i'm trying to make is that's something that i'm gonna have to just get used to and accept versus something that was previously a one-off type deal 
And my last point is I thought it was pretty cool of Mr. Hendrick to donate money to Russian uh, relief or Ukrainian relief for every lap one of his cars led. I read this morning he ended up donating $200,000 to Samaritan's Purse in order to support disaster assistance amid the ongoing humanitarian crisis in Ukraine. So hats off to Hendrick and the entire Hendrick Motorsports team for doing a, a positive thing this weekend. Number two. An ongoing theme in this young NASCAR season, and one that I don't see changing, is talking about the new car. And I don't know, it, it might be the whole season that we talk about this new car. But I gotta tell you, everything I'm learning, and I'm learning something new pretty much every single week, everything I've learned about this new car I like, <clears throat> I don't have a negative thing to say about it. I think NASCAR took a major swing and hit it right out of the ballpark with this one. It makes for much more competitive uh, and much more entertaining racing. Uh, Danica pointed out that the new car is causing struggles for the drivers, which in turn is causing more battles on the racetrack, which as a viewer is awesome. She tagged that with, what a fun race to watch. Couldn't agree more. It's a ball. Three different style tracks. And we have learned new things about the car each week. I didn't realize this particular week how how much tires mean to this car. I knew at Auto Club that that would be an issue, but it's an old beat-up track. Vegas is a very smooth track, and apparently tires meant everything. Another thing that I didn't like initially about this car was the single lug, and... I don't know if I'd necessarily say I'm a fan, but I don't hate it. I'm not I'm not against it. I don't quite understand the reason to have single lug in the top tier, but not in the other two major touring tiers. I guess expense is the only reason that I could think of. But tires mean a lot. Kurt Busch learned that at the end of stage one. In managing tires... Watching cars get off to a fast start. I'm a Logano fan. Logano would, would restart each uh, each time in the top 10 and quickly fall to like 13th. Because he was using up his stuff. I think if you gave Mark Martin a couple of races in this car, he would dominate. Because nobody knew how to take care of their equipment better than Mark Martin. And then I didn't realize that it's a different shifting pattern. I guess Denny Hamlin didn't realize it was a different shifting pattern either because he shifted up when he was supposed to be shifting down and threw out uh, transmission, which, talk about a tough start to the season for Denny Hamlin. He's, I think he's had bad luck at all three tracks so far. Uh, and then the other thing I didn't know is that there's a fifth gear. Clint Boyer mentioned that. Cars coming down the back stretch all of a sudden reach down and grab one more gear. It's crazy. It's wild. I've mentioned this previously. They sound awesome. I think it's because all of the 
exhaust used to come out of the right side and now they come out of both sides and I think it's it's pretty cool but these drivers are having a hard time and their hands are full managing these Clint Boyer mentioned how uh, the the car imagine being tight or loose as compared to trying to balance a car on a basketball except for now with the new cars like trying to balance it on a marble so if you have the marble in the wrong spot the car wants to come out from under you and if you have it too centered it's stuck and it won't go anywhere i thought that was a pretty good analogy but it's been a while since i've seen cars you know in the previous package the high downforce low horsepower package uh, which I didn't realize was as bad as it was until I've seen this new package. But those cars were stuck to the racetrack. You didn't see back ends whip around. Now all of a sudden, we're seeing back ends just come around on cars. Which leads me to point number three. Number three. Wrecks on wrecks on wrecks on wrecks. Kyle Busch on lap 43. Back end came around. Chase Briscoe, towards the end of stage one, back end whipped around, took out uh, Daniel Suarez, which I felt bad for. He was 13th at the time. He had driven up from uh, further in the pack, having a good race. Brad Kay, same thing. Back end whipped around, went through the infield. I don't know if anyone's had a worse start to the season. Blaney was the victim of that one. And that's the thing. These single cars are whipping around and collecting other cars. Suarez and Blaney and uh, 31 to go in stage two. Cendric, your 500 winner spins, collects uh, Eric Am Amarola. That's six cars. And it seems like the six cars uh, that were damaged from single car spins seem like in almost every one of those the car that started it was on the track, and the car that was innocently collected went to the garage. There were so many spins, and I mentioned it previously, but the, the marble versus basketball analogy that Clint Boyer used was perfect. Uh, you also had, I'd mentioned Chase Briscoe, he spun. Harrison Burton also spun. Those two guys are Xfinity drivers. They are not NASCAR Cup Series drivers. They're just not. It makes me annoyed to, to have them in the race is fine. But it used to be the lesser talented would either start and park or they would start and just ride around in the back. Guys like Chase Briscoe and Harrison Burton that shouldn't be at this level spinning and collecting other cars is absolutely just frustrating. When Harrison Burton spun, he took Christopher Bell with him, pole sitter. Although Christopher Bell did end up finishing 10th, which in my opinion is a, more of a testament to his crew chief than anything else. And then with three laps to go in the race and Kyle Busch lead, leading... Eric Jones blows a tire, which another driver gets collected up, 
Bubba Wallace. I know he's not a fan favorite. I don't love him. I don't hate him, but I felt bad for him. He had been driving his tail off. And uh, and he got collected in, in, not his fault at all. But three to go. Eric Jones brings out the caution. Everybody pits. That brings me to the story of the race. And number four. Kyle, Kyle, Kryle. What a guy. I don't even know where to start with this guy. There's 40 to go. And almost none of the top 10 started in the top 10. So that's great. Super entertaining. On top of that, Kyle Busch starts in the rear of the field in a backup car that was put together pretty much overnight, had shifter issues, spun early, got into it with Briscoe after stage one, which was, I mean, just absolute trash. I don't, I'm not a Briscoe fan, but come on, Kyle, you're a, you're a pro you're you're one of the leaders in the garage and you're bumping on briscoe because you didn't like the way he raced you but after all of that he's leading with only a few laps to go i actually started to show some respect for the guy should have known that wouldn't last so the field comes down alex bowman kyle larson take two everyone else takes four Green, white, checkered. We all know what happens. Bowman wins. That's racing, man. That's how it goes. Sometimes your guy gets lucky. Sometimes he finishes third. It happens. After the race, their interview with uh, with Brian Regan was, you know, typical. What do you expect? But then he goes with... Uh, Bob Packus, and the quote is, and I'm going to self-bleep, the same bleeping guy that backs into every bleeping win that he ever bleeping gets backs into another one. I, I, I don't even get it. Like, First of all, it doesn't make sense. He didn't back into a win. His crew chief put him in a position, and he took advantage of it. He raced easily, or arguably, the best driver in the sport right now, Kyle Larson, who had, Kyle Larson had the preferred line on the racetrack, and he raced him cleanly and hard to get the win. And he had Kyle Busch right on his rear the entire time. How was that lucky? How was that backing into a win? That's just plain talent. The only driver... I mean, Kyle Larson's won everything, right? We all know this. If you paid any attention to NASCAR at all, you know most of the time Kyle Larson wins the race. The second driver that's won the most races is Alex Bowman. This guy isn't backing into wins. It's not like McDowell winning the 500 last year or Austin Sendrick. And those aren't backing wins either. Don't get me wrong, but a lesser team winning at a super speedway happens. It's, you know, but it's kind of backing in. A Hendrick Motorsports car racing 
his teammate and the best driver with the lesser preferred line in overtime for the win is the exact opposite of backing into the win. I just don't get it. Uh, The guy, by the guy, I mean Kyle Busch, is so immensely talented. Drives me crazy. I would love to just hate him and him be awful. But he's not. He is insanely talented. But God, I cannot stand the crybaby mentality that he has. Man up. Own it. You took a beat. And I can only imagine what the old-timers would have to say about this guy. You know, I'm not a big Kyle Larson fan, but he takes a a loss. He takes an L. He goes home, works hard, and comes back and wins the race. Kyle acting like a little baby is just pathetic, and I'm tired of it. And while he is incredibly good, this sport will be better off without him. I know that NASCAR is known as a good old boys club. But I'd like the good old boys that I ra- that I like to watch race have some respect for each other and maybe just a little bit of class. With more on this story, though, let's check in with Mackenzie. Here's what's trending in NASCAR with Mackenzie. Welcome to Trending with Mackenzie, but it's also just fun facts and cool things. Before I tell you the answers to the questions from the last podcast, I want to tell you the story. Kyle Larson and Alex Bowman raced side-by-side side on the last two laps, which made Kyle Busch not able to win. After the race, Kyle Busch used foul language and put down Bowman for winning the race. When people talk bad about Bowman, he puts it on t t-shirt and wears it to the racetrack. So when Kyle Busch said the bad things about Bowman, he put it on a he put on Twitter, well, looks like I'm going to need to make a new t-shirt. Not that that was really funny. Now I can say the answers to the last podcast. Number one, who is the youngest NASCAR driver? Kaz Grola. Number two, what does a NASCAR logo mean? Control, precision, and movement. Number three, what are the colors to the NASCAR logo? Blue, purple, red, and yellow. And as usual, try to answer these without looking it up. And now here are new questions. Number one, does NASCAR have air conditioning? Two, who is a president of NASCAR? And three, which team is worth more, NFL or NASCAR? That's it for today. Bye. Good job, Mackenzie. I look forward to hearing the answers to the questions next week. Also, to follow up on that, Bowman did make a shirt. You can find it on his Twitter page. It's quite funny. And he's donating 18% of all proceeds to a charity that he holds dear to his heart, which I think is pretty cool. So in closing, let's get on to the fifth and final point. Number five. My fifth and final point is looking ahead to the next race. Phoenix or IMS Speedway. It will be interesting to see the new cars on a short track. I'm curious. We've seen three races. All three have been different configuration-type tracks. I'm wondering if the cars will be 
more or less likely to have the back snap out, snap around, come out from under them. Phoenix is a high grip track, so I'm curious to see how that goes. And just overall how they handle. Phoenix does have the ability to get boring on longer runs. Especially with the new configuration. I like the old configuration better personally. I think that what is now turns 1 and 2, but used to be turns 3 and 4, led to the ability to close on somebody, especially in the last few laps when you're willing to take a little bit more of a risk. You're not really seeing the close finishes since they've reconfigured the track. Also, Phoenix has the unique distinction of being the only track with, or the one track with the longest uh, gap of time between races. Obviously, with it hosting the championship race, it will be several months before they're back at Phoenix. A little heads up for trending with McKenzie questions. The shortest time between races is at Pocono. One day. Anyway, I look forward to this race, as always. And I think something new that I'm going to start doing is predict the winner. Although, for both of you listening to this, my predictions might get old. Because I'll probably predict the same guy most of the time. So my prediction for Phoenix is Joey Logano, if I'm betting with my heart. And Kyle Larson, if I'm betting with my wallet. Let me know what you think. Who do you think will win? Are you a Kyle Busch fan? Do you disagree with what I said? Or any of the five points that I had to mention during this podcast? Share with me your thoughts. Send me an email. Bruin at gmail.com. That's C-O-N-O-R. B as in boy, R-U-E-N. At gmail.com. And let's have a fun conversation about NASCAR. So thanks for tuning in. I look forward to sharing my thoughts about Phoenix next week and looking ahead to the next race after. This has been the Top 5 with Connor.